Hello, my name is Jackie Powell, and Lucas Seehofer is here with me to discuss the latest injury woes of the Minnesota Lynx, along with taking us inside Simone Augustus's jersey retirement ceremony. This is Locked On Women's Basketball. Let's go. Are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. I'm Jackie Powell. I'm your host for today and I am with Lucas Seehofer. And uh, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Lynx. Um, I cover the New York Liberty and do social media for the next. And Lucas is our Minnesota Lynx beat reporter. Lucas, how are you today? I'm doing well. You know, uh, summer has finally hit Minnesota. Nice and sunny, 75 degrees today. So even though the basketball hasn't been great, can't complain too much. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, before we get to the the woes of the links, I feel like it is a good time to talk about the latest piece that you wrote at the next, which was looking at this this moment in links history, which was the retirement of Simone Augustus's jersey into the rafters at Target Center. So first thing, you know, take us inside the sights and sounds during that ceremony. Yeah, it was uh, it was cool to be a part of, cool to watch. Um, you know, the Simone Augustus uh, meant a whole lot to the fans in, in Minnesota and, you know, vice versa. The fans of Minnesota meant a lot to Simone Augustus. She was uh, made it clear to say that after uh, the ceremony when she was talking to, to us reporters and it's kind of a, a scrum afterwards. She was talking about how appreciative she was of the fans and, how nice it was to see all them again. Um, but yeah, you know, anytime you can have a ceremony to celebrate one of the, not only the game's greats, the franchise's greats, but, you know, an all-time great in, in terms of basketball, um, not just women's basketball, you know, basketball in general. Uh, Simone Augustus is one of the all-time greats. Um, it was it was cool to, to be able to, to, to be a part of that, um, you know, to, to be able to witness it, uh, hear all the memories from not only from Simone, but from some of the teammates, uh, from Cheryl. Um, they played a, a pretty cool video uh, during the ceremony where uh, they kind of went through uh, and, and talked to some prominent team uh, teammates, former coaches, um, kind of get their uh, perspective on who Simone was, not only as a basketball player, but a person. Um, and now who she will be as a coach uh, kind of moving forward as she enters that phase of her career. I love that. So I watched that video and I saw that Maya Moore made an appearance in this video. Mm-hmm. So what do we know about that? Was that was a recent interview, was it not? Yeah, it, you know, it, it seemed to me like it was, it was pretty recent. I guess no one specifically asked about it post game uh, or, you know, after, during the scrum, but it was fun to, to see uh, Maya's face and uh, on, on this big screen at the target center again. And her presence uh, probably got the biggest round of applause and the biggest cheers that were non Simone specific uh, during not only that video, uh, but during the, the whole ceremony. I think it caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, I was kind of looking at 
uh, Simone while, while that popped up. And I think she really appreciated that Maya took some time out of her, you know, busy life to, to record uh, that video and, and be part of the, uh, the celebration. And I think that meant a lot to, to not only Simone and the fans, uh, but I think, you know, coach Reeve kind of everybody that was in attendance really liked to, to see and hear from Maya again. Yeah, I saw that. And I just, I don't know. I think for a lot of people, it just brought a smile to our faces. Um, Cause it's been, man, it's been a long time since, as you said, since Maya Moore, since her, her face, her voice was, in the target center. Um, so what I thought was fascinating about this game was it felt like we went back in time a little bit um, in that this was a game against the Los Angeles Sparks. Mm -hmm. and Simone was a part of those Lynx teams that would go head to head with the Sparks to try to capture those championships. So what was it about this game that maybe felt a little po poetic to you? Yeah, so it was a, it was an interesting game to, to kind of take in because the Lynx started so poorly and it felt like it was just like another another game of, you know, of the season where things start off slow and then they get behind. But as the game went on, it was kind of like, all right, things are they're, they're keeping it close. The Sparks are letting them stay in it. Now, part of that was because the Lynx shot like I think between the two teams, there was like 70 free throws attempted. Uh, and like, I want to say like 48 or 50 of them came from the Lynx. So they got to the free throw line quite a bit. Um, so that in and of itself was kind of a, an old school throwback. Um, but as the game went on, it was just like, all right, Sylvia Fowles is keeping them in this. Uh, you know, big shot from Ariel Powers every, you know, here or there. Um, and it just felt kind of like, like you were saying, like, thinking back to those old Sparks versus Lynx matchups where the two teams were so ev evenly connected um, and in terms of talent and in terms of, you know, uh, veteran status, uh, all that kind of stuff. So it was a fun to kind of watch uh, the two teams kind of, you know, punch back at each other. Um, but, you know, overall, it, it was also still pretty clear that both of these teams have quite a ways to go to kind of reach the top of the uh reach the top of the ladder, so to speak. They're, they're no longer the links and the sparks of old, but um, did show some signs of, of uh, you know, just a, a good basketball game. Right. Yeah, I noticed that too, because it's sort of like these are two teams that are, are trying to, I don't know if I want to say make their last push. I think for the links, you can say that because it's Sylvia Fowles' final season. But the Sparks are in this strange position where it's like, we have all of this flashy offensive talent. Can we get back into the playoffs? And if that doesn't happen, Derek Fisher on the hot seat. So it's this very, I don't think Cheryl Reeve will be on the hot seat if things continue to, to go not as they would want. Um, but I think it's... Yeah, I think I think Cheryl, she'll be, she'll be coaching Minnesota as long as she wants to be. Um, but I agree with what you're saying. Like when you look at the links or excuse me, the Sparks' roster, like there's a lot of talent on that roster. Uh, and if they underperform, like, yeah, Fisher's Fisher will be, uh, will be on the hot seat for sure. Indeed he will. Um, but what do we always say, or at least this is something that, 
Howard Megdahl, uh, the founder of The Next and a frequent host of this show says, he always says, um, you know, don't count out Cheryl Reeve, you know, bet on Cheryl Reeve. She finds a way to make things happen. And speaking of betting and counting on someone, one of our sponsors for this show is betonline.net. It is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Uh, You can find all of the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including actually, I believe we have four WNBA games on today. There, it's the Liberty at the Mystics, the Sky at the Dream, the Sun at the Mercury, which that will be a back-to-back for the Sun, which is so unfortunate. And the last game of the day is Wings at Storm, um, especially with these Commissioner's Cup games going on. Also, you can uh, get the news and odds when it comes to the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, the MNBA Finals, and BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering info, including even esports. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the different trends and the action. Uh, BetOnline is where the game starts. So... Lucas, um, after the the pomp and circumstance and the fanfare of Simone's return and the Lynx stormed back but fell a little short, something unfortunate happened uh, during that game. What what happened besides the Lynx obviously not getting the W? Yeah, well, I mean, something unfortunate happened. I think that's going to be the, the subtitle of the, of the story about this link season in general. Um, but yeah, you know, as you kind of alluded to the injury bug hit yet again, uh, aerial powers. Um, she ended up being relatively okay. She, she played in the, in the, the next game, um, but she had to miss the remainder of the fourth quarter. I think it was, it ended up being like half of the fourth quarter, something like that. She got hit in the face and, left the game was not able to complete her free throws so then rules stipulate that she had to miss the rest of the game turns out she broke her nose on that play um so she's currently playing with a broken nose at the moment um also mariah jefferson uh i forget exactly when if it was the third quarter or the fourth quarter but it was definitely in the second half went up for a layup uh kind of went up awkwardly landed awkwardly turned out she has a strained uh quadricep muscle uh, and then Natalie Achanwa, who we thought was on the brink of returning from a hamstring injury, uh, re-aggravated it about a week or two ago and is still yet to return and is currently listed out as being out indefinitely. So uh, the Lynx were able to, to pick up a couple more players on a hardship waivers. Uh, Elisa, uh, Elisa Kunain, uh, former draft pick uh, this past draft from the uh, Seattle uh, Storm, who uh, I don't think she appeared in a regular season game for Seattle or maybe she did. Uh, It wasn't very much. It didn't last very long on the roster. Um, She was in preseason. Yeah. Preseason. Yep. Yep. And then uh, Kamaya Smalls, uh, they also uh, picked her up kind of more of a guard. Um, There was a lot of questions, at least in my mentions of like, why didn't they stick with Hannah, Hannah Shervin, uh, who was their previous big who had uh, 
been in training camp with the Lynx and uh, signed a, a hardship deal uh, previously. Uh, well, she recently signed with a team in Australia, so she's no longer in the States. Uh, so I'm guessing that's part of the reason, part of the influence as to why they went with uh, Cunane instead. But yeah, the, the Lynx, they just can't get over. They just can't escape this uh, darn injury bug. Oh, man. Is, is there some karma there with the whole Sherman <laughs> situation? I mean, she had sort of yeah. had it with the hardships. And because, I mean, I don't know. I guess she did what was best for her. But mm-hmm. has Natalia Chanwa seen minutes at all this season? Not very many. She she played in the first couple games, um, but did not play very many minutes. Um, both of those games, Cheryl kind of made it a point to, to mention after the game that um, basically she had left, uh, for part of her rotation. And then by the time she was going to be subbed back in the game, it kind of gotten out of control. Uh, and, and Reeve didn't want to, didn't think it was fair to her to, to risk injury in a game that was not going to ultimately end up in their favor. The ultimate irony being she ended up getting injured like one or two games later and has not appeared since. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a it's been a rough go of it for not only for the the Lynx but uh, Achanwa specifically just can't right when she feels like she's you know about to get rolling whether that's you know in practice or in games or whatever that hamstring flares up and she just cannot cannot get over it unfortunately. It's really quite something because this was there was a similar storyline that occurred last season. I mean, she missed a lot of that first half and mm-hmm. there was a question about if she was going to be ready to play for the Canadian national team. I remember she went to Tokyo with a brace and, mm-hmm. you know, she came back and I, I think she did play in the second half of the season, but this has been an issue for her. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know if Cheryl has sort of said like, known to be injury prone yeah she hasn't mentioned anything specific um i will say about hamstring injuries is that they can be very tricky particularly you know when when uh she was was it when achana was first diagnosed they, they didn't come out and specifically say the grade but based on the injury timeline and kind of when they projected she'd be back i think they had initially said that she'd missed three weeks so that's kind of a a between a grade one and a grade two um so basically kind of the high end of the grade one or the low end of the grade two, regardless that type of injury, that type of hamstring strain uh, has a tendency to kind of flare up uh, when you push it. Like it'll feel good for like a week or two and you'll start thinking like, Oh, we're getting over it. This is good. And all of a sudden, boom, it'll flare up and you'll be back to square one. That's just kind of the unfortunate thing about kind of mild to moderate grade hamstring strains. Um, no word on if this second flare-up was worse than the first, um, other than they did sh- sign a, a hardship player, so that suggests that she will be out at least three weeks. Um, I, I believe that's the minimum that's required for a player to, to or for a team to get a hardship contract, is the the player has to miss at least a span of uh, of, of a couple weeks. So I would say, you know, it's beginning of June. Hopefully, we can see uh, a Chanwa by the end of the month. Yeah, that's really interesting about hamstring strains and that they have these flare-ups. I mean, in the context of flare-ups, I've heard that more talked about um, with long COVID flare-ups because on the mm-hmm. Liberty, I cover AD Durr, 
And that's um, something that I've reported on as well. And Dee Dee Richards has a hamstring issue too. So it's interesting mm-hmm. for me to hear that I think the same thing sort of happened to her. They put her in, she played maybe five minutes and, you know, she restrained it. Something mm-hmm. didn't feel right. And she was very upset and she left and hasn't seen the floor since. But anyway, why don't we talk about what um, or how the Lynx looked with some of these new pieces. They played on, I believe it was Wednesday night against the Atlanta Dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, things did not go well. Again, another subtitle title to the, to the Lynx this season. Um, turnovers have been killing them. Uh, this season, and that p- particularly showed up again uh, the other night against the Dream. I think the uh, Atlanta only ended up winning by like uh, eight points or so. But if you were watching the game or if you're watching the box score, it didn't really ever feel like it was that close. Um, Cheryl Reeve had some comments post game, uh, kind of select comments about the officiating, um, mm-hmm. as she has had in in uh, past uh, games as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think I forget the specific amount, but it was something like 24, 25. You, you can't turn the ball over that many times and expect to win at the, at the WNBA level. Heck, at the high school level, you can't expect to win with that many that many turnovers. Um, also looking at I was uh, kind of scrolling through synergy before we hopped on this call here. And the Lynx are currently the worst team uh, in the league uh, when it comes to uh, transition offense and transition defense. And then they're also really poor at defending teams in spot-up situations. I think they're 11th uh, in defensive defensive efficiency. So if you can't score in transition, you can't stop transition, you can't hold on to the ball, and you can't stop teams when they're shooting jump shots, like, what can you expect? <laughs> I mean, I guess it was a perfect storm uh, because that, I mean, Ryan Howard, when you think of her game, it's a lot of spot ups. I mean, I think mm-hmm. my observation of the Atlanta dream has been that Tanisha Wright has been able to find ways to just put her in space, put her mm-hmm. in situations where she can just spot up and shoot it. So that, that seems a bit concerning. And I guess it, it makes sense with how the game finished. Yeah, exactly. And you can't let a, uh, even a rookie, you can't let a player as talented as Ryan Har- Howard um, have any looks. You can't let her uh, or players of her caliber have the opportunity to, to seal the game away. Um, you know, you have to be able to exert your will uh, on the opposing teams to, to not only come back, but ultimately come up uh, with a victory in the end. Um, and that was something that I asked uh, both um, or was asked of both Coach Reeve and um, Kayla McBride after the loss of the Sparks of like, okay, you guys fought back, but you, you lost. How, how, you know, what does it take to come ultimately come out on top of that? Because the, the Lynx are two and eight. Um, you know, I'm not saying they could be eight and two, but they could probably be five and four if they had, you know, something in the tank where it was like, okay, we've come back. Now let's finish this. Um, and Reeve, both of them really basically said attention to detail and kind of, you know, executing the game plan. That's been an issue all season with the Lynx, which is odd for a team that is such a veteran team. And, you know, other than some of these players who are coming in on hardship deals um, that have played with each other for a couple of years now, 
you know, in some cases, three, four years. So uh, why this attention to detail and why this lack of execution is popping up this season? I don't really know. I don't have a good answer for that. I have some thoughts, but before we go into that, because I watched that presser and I saw, I think it was one of your tweets where you, where Reeve sort of said, you know, veterans were not in the right spots after timeouts. Mm -hmm. That was awfully concerning. Um, But before we talk about why this might be, um, I want to remind everyone, you know, we're talking about these hardship contracts and these these players that have <clears throat> some injuries and the links are, are missing parts. Um, this episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. Um, with the ever-increasing numbers of different makes and models of cars, it's now quite difficult for your local chain auto parts store to carry the part that you're looking for. Um, there's a lot of questions. Is, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? So with Rock Auto, you can save time and money. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And Rock Auto prices are reliably low, as I stated before, for every customer. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. Look at that. If you get a stain in your carpet and need a new one. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all of the parts that are available for your car or your truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, quite reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Anyway, transitioning into talking about a team that is missing some of its key parts, Uh, not the parts of a car, but parts of a basketball team. You know, I think about who is missing. I think about Nafisa Collier. I think about Demiris Dantas. I think about even a player they waived and, you know, we didn't really know the extent as to why in Lasia Clarendon. Those were three pieces last year that were part of the leadership, part of the the heart and soul of the Lynx. And my question for you, Lucas, is how much of an impact do you think, you know, not having those players emotionally has on this team? Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, You know, one of the things that we kind of talked about early season in the Lynx when we were trying to figure out what was going on so much was, you know, oh, if they only had a point guard, then things would be better. Well, they got a point guard in Mariah Jefferson, who's been playing really well while she was healthy and things did not get better. I think what we really kind of underestimated was the impact of not having Nafisa Collier. Um, You know, she's a top five WNBA player, top 10 for sure. Um, And she does it, you know, offensively, she does it on defense. She's a rebounder. Um, She can kind of play the three, the four um, in uh, honestly, if she was healthy this season, she would probably see some minutes at the five as well. 
Um, she's just a high quality basketball player. And when you're missing that kind of talent, that kind of leadership, that communicator on the court, uh, it makes things tough um, to, to say the least, you know, she, her game specifically fits so well next to, to Sylvia Fowles. Uh, and I think it would fit really, really well along with Mariah Jefferson at the point guard. So it's just really just a, um, you know, understandable why she's, why she's gone. We're happy, uh, for her family situation. Um, but it's really tough for the Lynx at the moment. Yeah, you know, something I remember from the 2021 situation was even with Nafisa Collier, there seemed to be just miscommunication leadership wise. And they were missing someone that was going to hold the rest of the group accountable. And, you know, we talk about Sylvia Fowles as sweet sill. And, um, you know, she's one of the the kindest most attentive people. And then that's what Cheryl Reeve has said. That's what people who play with her have said. But I just question, is, is it within Sylvia Fowles' ability to hold her teammates accountable? I think so. You know, I've seen, you know, to an extent, I'll put it that way, because I think, uh, you know, not in, how how do I phrase this? Basically, you, you need a special kind of person to, to write this ship in Minnesota. And I'm not sure that there are many of those people in the league. <laughs> how about, how about we put it that way? But with Syl, um, I've seen a lot of people or a lot of times, you know, during games, during timeouts, like she's, you know, barking at her teammates. She's saying, Hey, we need to, we need to step up here. Like we need to, we, you know, we need to do this better. We need to do that better. Um, from everything we've heard post game, whether it's talking to Cheryl or Syl herself or, or teammates, like she's one of the the vocal leaders saying like, Hey, we need to, we need to step up and do this better. Um, Kayla McBride also is, is doing that as well. Now, granted, she's only been here for a couple of games, but she is viewed as, as a leader and is highly thought of in, in the locker room. And that's kind of why I'm a little confused as to why the links are struggling so much is like, according to Reeve, they're, they're saying and doing the right things in practice and they're not executing in the game. According to the players, like the coaches are asking them like, Hey, what can we do better to help you guys out? And the players are asking the coaches, Hey, what can we do better to help you guys out? Like everybody is, is seemingly doing the right things until they step on the court. Um, and then everything just does, has not been working out. Um, and, you know, maybe it's just one of those seasons where things just don't work out. That happens in, in sports from time to time, where it's just whatever reason, you know, something just doesn't work out one year. And maybe the unfortunate thing is this is just that year for the Lynx. Yeah. It's just so sad that this has to, in, during Sylvia Fowles' final season, I, mean, mm-hmm. I remember being in press conferences with Cheryl and sort of asking about the urgency. Like that's what I wonder about too. How much urgency is there from this team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, from a from a roster management standpoint, um, Cheryl keeps saying like, "Hey, we're going to experiment until we get this thing right." Um, you know, I the season's only what a third of the way done, basically. So there's still time to turn it around. But then again, the Lynx only lost ten games last year, and they've already lost eight so far this year. So if they're going to turn around, they have to do it like immediately. Um, so do at this point the question becomes okay one 
do they keep being aggressive and trying to tamper with or <laughs> tamper is not the right word tinker with things um and you know maybe swing trade here or there to try and bolster their roster um or the other question if the losses keep mounting when do they do they think about blowing it up do they think about trading players and, and collecting assets for the future um you know cheryl is not the type of of coach GM who's going to want to go through a rebuild necessarily. So I don't think that's necessarily going to be the way that things go. Um, But I think it has to be at least considered, Um, you know, the team has very little cap flexibility this season, uh, but moving forward, they only have a handful of players under contract uh, at least, you know, for next season and then the season after that, it's really, I think two years from now, it's only Collier Shepard, and Dauntus maybe that are, that are currently under contract guarantee or uh, protected contracts for two years out. So there's some flexibility that's coming, but you know, do they jump ship early or do they try to ride this out? I, I, I think they'll try to ride it out, but, but we'll see as the, as the weeks go by. The last question I have for you before we sign off is I'm really curious actually about aerial powers. I mean, I know you told me she broke her nose in the LA game, but Reeve has been bringing her off the bench rather than starting her. What has mm-hmm. been the reason for that? Yeah, Reeve basically mentioned, um, I, I think it was after the Sparks game, basically saying that she likes her fit uh, kind of coming off the bench. Because um, when she has been coming off the bench, she's been coming in for McBride. Um, so she's the first one off the bench, first guard off the bench. Um, I think the thought process, I don't think Reeve would necessarily come out and say this or, or hasn't come out and say it, but take some pressure off, off of Ariel. You know, she's, she's been starting. She was at the beginning while, you know, McBride was overseas and they were links were going through their first wave of, of injury issues. <clears throat> the offense was basically really predicated on powers, finding her shot and being successful. And it just wasn't coming. Like she was one of the the most inefficient scorers through the first handful of games. And technically she still is. Um, But coming off the bench allows her to kind of play in a role that has a little less pressure, um, maybe a little bit more accommodating to her overall game, kind of getting her next to some players that maybe fit next to her, you know, schematically a little bit better. Um, Is this going to be a thing that goes all year long? It's tough to say. I think it was just one of those ways that Reeve was kind of saying, hey, let's experiment. Like, we're desperate for wins here. We're going to try everything we can do to do it. And maybe, you know, part of the answer is getting powers next to players uh, who fit her style better in a less stressful or, you know, demanding situation. And also, you know, against lower quality defenders, against second unit players. Um, I think that's kind of what the thought and to see if that would jumpstart her efficiency. It has to a, a certain extent. I mean, if we're being frank, it really couldn't have been worse to start the season. She has had a couple of really good games since coming off the bench. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how long uh, they kind of stick with that. That's that's really interesting to try to build up her confidence after just missing a ton of shots. But she mm-hmm. has been aggressive in – you know, charging the lane, going downhill, going to the free throw line. I mean, she killed the Liberty. I mean, she wasn't making shots, but she was going to the line. Um, yeah. And she's been she's been great at staying aggressive and looking for her shot, um, making really good passes, um, all that kind of stuff. But almost, at least for shooting-wise, maybe to her detriment. 
Like you can tell there were times where she was being aggressive, but being aggressive in the, Hey, I need to make a shot kind of way, not being aggressive in the, Hey, what's the best opportunity for our team to score here kind of way. Um, so I think she's kind of trying to, you know, even out those opportunities, like, okay, when do I go and try and get a basket for myself versus when do I go and try and get a basket? Because it's the best way for our team to score at the moment. Um, I think that's, that's a, those are kind of two things she's trying to figure out at the moment. Ooh, that we have to sign off soon, but that sort of reminds me of what Reeve was talking about after preseason, where she was talking about selfish play. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Maybe that's part of it. Definitely, definitely possible. I, I don't think I can, I can say no. I also don't necessarily think it's it's Ariel being selfish to be selfish. I think it's, you know, she's she's an aggressive player. She's a proud player. She knows she's not playing well. She's admitted as much after games. Um, and she's not exactly one to hide her emotions on her sleeve. Um, so I, I think uh, it's definitely selfish in a I'm trying to help my team and it's just not working out kind of way, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. Now, before we sign off for the day here on the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast, I do, Lucas, I want to remind you about um, that other team, that, uh, that MNBA team that exists in Minneapolis, right? The, the Timberwolves. Yeah, I've a, heard of them. Yeah, a team that has existed, or well, a team that has been a lot less successful than the Lynx, although this year they did make it to the playoffs. Um, and they won a couple games. Indeed. Progress. They <laughs> so we want to remind you all now with the NBA finals upon us to check out our brother podcast, uh, the Locked On NBA podcast, and all of those team podcasts that fall underneath it. And that has been the latest episode of Locked on Women's Basketball. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jackie Powell, alongside Lucas Seehofer. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your day.